So Friday the 13th this Friday, and it's going to be even creepier because global jihad has been called for. Some have interpreted this man's remarks as calling for global jihad. Who is he? Well, he's the ex-deputy head of Hamas, and his remarks were rather cryptic, but those who run in these circles and scholars seem to think that jihad, uh, you know, attacks all over the place. Is that what he's calling for? Be on guard. Be vigilant this Friday. It makes sense. And of course, unfortunately, we are vulnerable here. America, the Biden administration sent out a big white flag when we, well, left Afghanistan the way we did. We all know about that disaster. The whole world noticed and uh, we are more vulnerable ever since. Of course, the border situation, terrorists can get in here impossibly easy. And to throw anti-Semitism into the mix. Uh, our country, gosh, to see it out in the open, these big displays in Chicago and San Francisco and cities all across the country for the terrorists, for Hamas. This is very, very ugly stuff. And I didn't actually know it existed like this in our country. Throughout the world, yeah, that's another thing. And it is thriving, unfortunately, throughout the world. And Amman, Jordan, celebrating Hamas, celebrating what they did, celebrating the attack on those teenage girls at that rave concert uh, in Amman, in Australia, in London, uh, all over the world. It's very dark and it's very, very ugly anti-Semitism. Joe Biden did say something about anti-Semitism today. I would argue it's the deadliest day for Jews since the Holocaust. The deadliest day since the Holocaust. One of the worst chapters in human history to remind us all that that expression I learned from my dad early on, silence is complicity. I'm not, I mean, silence is complicity. It really is. And I want you to know, I think you've already figured it out. I refuse to be silent. I know you refuse to be silent as well. Like six people, right? Uh, they weren't digging Joe Biden. It was a group of Jewish leaders. They know what happened. And Joe Biden's father never said that. Silence is complicity. I've seen his dad. No way. Um, but Joe was silent and maybe even complicit. Two days after this horrible attack, on Sunday, did we hear from the president of the United States? No. While this chaos was thriving, while this terrorism was unfolding, nothing from the president. How about Monday? Uh, that's a work day, right? No, nothing from the president's mouth on that day. Why be president if you don't want to lead at a moment like this? Um, now, yesterday he did speak. And what did he not speak about? <laughs> Iran, which gave the green light here, and anti-Semitism. It was just like violence, a vague form of violence. That's it. A lot of people are keeping their mouths shut who have major platforms who should be speaking out or singing something. Come up with a song, Taylor Swift. You know, Taylor Swift, arguably, it's totally insignificant. I'm not a Taylor Swift fan. I don't know her music. I, quite frankly, am not too keen about her because, well, a lot of things you're going to see right now. I mentioned the big platform, 274 million followers on Instagram. She's number one on Instagram. She gets political sometimes. She has not said anything about uh, the horrible terrorist attack, but lately she does like to get political. Uh, take a look. 
Taylor Swift comes out against Trump. I don't care if they write that. I'm sad that I didn't two years ago, but I can't change that. I'm saying right now that this is something that I know is right, and you guys, I need to be on the right side of history, and if he doesn't win, that at least I, I, at least I tried. The right side of history. She's having a conversation about her parent with her parents because she's about to put on Instagram an endorsement of some Democrat who's running for the Senate. Watch. It really is a big deal. She votes against against fair pay for women. She votes against the reauthorization of the of the Violence Against Women Act, which is just basically protecting us from domestic abuse and stalking, stalking. She votes, she thinks that, that if you're a gay couple, or even if you look like a gay couple, you should be allowed to be kicked out of a restaurant. It's really basic human rights, and it's right and wrong at this point, and I can't see another commercial and see her disguising these policies behind the words Tennessee Christian values. Those aren't Tennessee Christian values. I live in Tennessee. I am Christian. That's not what we stand for. I need to do this. I need you to just I need you to forgive me for doing it because I'm doing it. Wow. You go, girl. She is endorsing whoever Marsha Blackburn was running against. Yeah. Marsha Blackburn is this threat to people. She's not. You know, some of those pieces of legislation have beautiful names, but inside the devil, the devil is in the details. Think about it. Taylor Swift comes out so strongly against Republican Senator Marsha Blackburn. But um, the people being taken hostage in Hamas, somehow that's, uh, that's okay. Marsha Blackburn, that lady is, is the threat, is the, <laughs> it, it, it is pathetic. And a lot of celebrities, a lot of universities, a lot of regular people, we are seeing them very clearly. This is the moment. You're going to side with the terrorists or you're going to be on the side of the good guys. Anti-Semitism is real. It is a bigger than I ever thought. I knew it's been with us throughout history, but in America, somehow I thought we were, uh, I don't know, beyond that. We needed to hear more from people in positions of power. You know, George Bush made some statements after September 11th, 2001, that I agree with, but actually he was saying it a little bit too much, all right? He was talking about those who didn't attack us on 9-11. Take a look. America counts millions of Muslims amongst our citizens. And Muslims make an incredibly valuable contribution to our country. And they need to be treated with respect. And our anger and emotion, our fellow Americans must treat each other with respect. I also want to speak tonight directly to Muslims throughout the world. We respect your faith. It's practiced freely by many millions of Americans and by millions more in countries that America counts as friends. Now, I actually agree with all of that, but it was emphasized a little bit too much. It was overstating the, the threat to Muslims in America. And it was also so emphasized, as it is today by the Biden administration, the Obama administration, we don't discriminate against Muslims, we don't discriminate against Muslims, but they've taken their eye off the ball and not look at Islamic fascism, right? Islamic extremism, which is everywhere, which led to September 11, 2001. And, you know, there is an underside to just about everything. Anything in the extreme is bad. 
We've taken our eye off the ball. You know who didn't? Trump. And even back then, he was not afraid. Some things have to be said, no matter how uncomfortable it makes people. I watched when the World Trade Center came tumbling down. And I watched in Jersey City, New Jersey, where thousands and thousands of people were cheering as that building was coming down. Thousands of people were cheering. He's right. That happened. They've tried to expunge it. I believe maybe the government had a role in getting rid of the record of this. Uh, and to this day, they say no evidence, no evidence whatsoever. This, this idea that there were thousands of people in New Jersey cheering uh, the death of people uh, on 9-11, it, it's, it's factually incorrect. We know this is incorrect. There have been reports saying this is incorrect. He says he saw it on television, but no video has ever surfaced. Jersey City officials say it never happened. There are no reports, no reports, and no video that matches Trump's claims. Nobody ever heard of video being deleted before, huh? That's never happened in the history of television. It has happened. And some of the most prominent journalists on the scene were reporting this. What no one outside the terrorist task force knows is that just a couple of blocks away from that Jersey City apartment the FBI raided yesterday and where they had evidence removed is another apartment building. One that investigator told me, quote, is swarming with suspects. Suspects who I'm told were cheering on the roof when they saw the plane slam into the trade center. A police were called to the building by other neighbors and found eight men celebrating, six of them tenants in the building. Oh, well, it's absolutely chilling the fact that they were sitting there waiting, watching, as if and getting ready to celebrate the fact that the Twin Towers would topple. Wow, right? <laughs> uh, that's significant. One of the biggest newscasts in New York City directly after. You'll notice it's a video of a video because some of these videos have been deleted. Somebody took a video of a television. Uh, next, please. I think this is Dan Rather. There's one report. I, this has not been confirmed, but there's several reports that there was a, a, a cell, one of these cells across the Hudson River. And they got on the this is the report. I emphasize, I don't know this for a fact, but there's several witnesses who say this happened. They got on the roof of the building to look across. They knew what was going to happen. They were waiting for it to happen. And when it happened, they celebrated. They, they jumped for joy. All right. So there were no reports of this happening except from the two, two of the most prominent journalists in uh, the city and the country that it happened. Hmm. All right. Friday is fast approaching. We have a prominent uh, Muslim fanatic who's calling for jihad. Something bad could happen in America. And what has America been consumed with for the past, what, two, three years? Yeah, this is just from a couple of months ago. Joe speaking about white supremacy. To choose love over hate, unity over disunion, progress over retreat. To stand up against the poison of white supremacy, as I did my inaugural address to a single out as the most dangerous terrorist threat to our homeland, is white supremacy. And I'm not saying this because I'm at a black HBCU. 
I say wherever I go. It's pretty wild. Hey, I'm not here pandering because I do pander a lot. Just so you know, I'm not pandering. I will say this. He does say it everywhere he goes, and so does Kamala and the rest. The intelligence community, terrorism from white supremacy is the most lethal threat to the homeland today. One of the greatest threats to our national security is domestic terrorism manifested by white supremacists. I obviously am Thanks very a lot. concerned about Thanks a lot. You really prepared us for this moment, right? All that talk and all that preparation to fight the white supremacists. Well, we went looking for some of the most prominent uh, viral videos of crime over the past several weeks. And let's look at for the white supremacy, shall we? White supremacy episode number, no, that's not white supremacy. All right, well, let's show me the next viral video. There's gotta be, uh, no, this doesn't look like white supremacy either. Um, all right, come on, there's gotta be some white supremacy out there. Let me see the next example of white supremacy. Not quite, no, no, I don't see. Uh, white supremacy? No, not there. Come on, we gotta have some white supremacy here. Um, hmm. Uh, what seems to be the problem? Um, Got to be some white supremacy somewhere, right? Um, uh, gee, I guess we'll have to get back to you on the white supremacy. Well, one of the problems, you have a hard time finding examples of white supremacy. It's um, incredibly rare. It's stupid and it, it, it's disgusting when it happens. Uh, you can think that way if you want. If you do anything illegal, you should be arrested, but... And, you know, some other uncomfortable things when it comes to the state of America right now. Uh, crime in America, white supremacy. Well, if we're talking about race all the time in America, maybe, maybe this should be mentioned. Black on white crime is 42.3 times more uh, uh, prevalent than white on black crime. Sorry, but uh, that is a figure from the Justice Department. So the horns guy at January 6th. I know he was totally goofy and he shouldn't have been there, but he didn't hurt anybody and he didn't break anything. And you know what? That means he's not a terrorist, okay? But the fake news, they'll never stop calling him that and the others. On January 6, 2021, domestic terrorists the president has empowered for years stormed the Capitol. On January 6, and then once the terrorists stormed the Capitol, he did everything but intervene. January 6th, there's a lot of domestic terrorists. This process of the terrorists who attacked the Capitol on January 6th. The entire Republican Party apparatus has decided to wrap their arms around domestic terrorists. All right. I mean, it's a joke, right? They say it with a straight face. I can't stop laughing. Now, we know what terrorism looks like. We were all reminded of it over the past five days, right? Uh, women and children being abducted, the slaughter that happened. Look at what the mainstream media calls that. They can't call it terrorism. There are two million civilians who live in the Gaza Strip under the control of the Hamas militants. The residents of border cities describe the terror of Hamas militants entering their neighborhoods, coming into their homes. I want you to listen to a distraught father describe the moment he realized Hamas militants had abducted his wife, his two daughters, and his mother-in-law. Uh, he did all those things, and he's a militant. What technically is a militant? Come to think of it, she looks a bit like a militant with the green T-shirt and the military haircut. Um, all right, everything is upside down. Nothing makes sense. There will be a massive correction in the right direction, but we do have some cleaning up to do. Oh, 
Cassidy Hutchinson, the January 6th dream girl witness. I have incontrovertible smoking gun proof again that she is a total and complete fraud and a liar. As she runs around selling a book, making millions of dollars, she is a flat out liar and schemer not to be trusted. I'll be right back with that. Conflict. Real threats. Real heart. Now, there's a place America gets its news. Newsmax, where real news for real people. Millions are turning off the old channels and switching to Newsmax, the fastest growing cable news channel in America. No agenda, no spin, just the facts. Millions watch us, so can you. Newsmax, we are real news for real people to give is the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help you God. Thank you. You may be seated. Wait just a second. Wait. Hold everything. Maybe she didn't perjure herself after all. Did she not say I do? I gotta hear that one word. I don't think she said I do. She didn't what? To give is the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help you God. Thank you. You may be seated. Actually, I think she did say it. She whispered it. I do. I do. But she didn't live up to it. Wow. Uh, So much deception. So much. I'll get to that in a moment. First of all, she never should have testified. They should have brought that guy Tony up there because everything she said was based on. This is the January 6th witness. You remember, right? Everybody. She's got a book. I'll get to the book in a second. Anyway, Tony, he should have been the guy up there. I looked at Tony and he had said, did you effing hear what happened in the Beast? Tony proceeded to tell me. I recall Tony and I having a conversation. I had another conversation with Tony. I remember Tony mentioning knives, guns. Tony would oversee all of that. You know, there's a word for Tony said this, Tony said that. It's called uh, hearsay. And it's really, really worthless, okay? Her testimony was worthless. Even when she was truthful, it really amounted to not much. There was ketchup on the wall. Doesn't matter. She looked great in that white suit, and the fake news ate it up. City Hutchison uh, was an exemplary witness who demonstrated remarkable courage and character. Cassidy Hutchinson made a brave choice today. She was a great witness. She was absolutely precise. She was just brilliant. This is confirmation that she's a fraud when Wallace, Chris Wallace, likes her. All right. So uh, they still love her. She has a book now. It's called Enough. Enough with Cassidy Hutchinson. But I have to address this because it's the number one best-selling book in the country. Yeah, it is disgusting. She's going on all the shows, all the big ones. You know, she's on the Today Show, The View, and uh, those are the places to go to sell a book. And that's where she's selling, yeah, enough. Um, now, there's something that a lot of people have missed that I caught early on, and so did President Trump. Take a look at this piece of paper. This turned out to be a key piece of evidence during the January 6th hearing. It's written on chief of staff stationery. Anyone who entered the Capitol without proper authority should leave immediately. That's what it says. It's a draft for a Trump tweet written by 
Eric Hirschman, according to Eric Hirschman. And that makes a lot of sense, right? Look at that handwriting. Doesn't it look like it was written by a, a guy? Cassidy says it's her handwriting. Now, let's look at just one example of what some senior advisors to the president were urging. Ms. Hutchinson, could you look at the exhibit that we're showing on the screen now? Have you seen this note before? That's a note that I wrote at the direction of the chief of staff on January 6th, likely around 3 o'clock. And it's written on a chief of staff note card, but that's your handwriting, Ms. Hutchinson? That's my handwriting. No, it's not. That is perjury. That is perjury. Anybody can see it. Anybody, including Trump. He was watching and he actually put out a truth social that said <laughs> that of a wacko. Um, look, I quite frankly forgot about this, but the book came out and she brings it up again and still maintains that it's her handwriting, even though there are a lot of serious people saying, no, it's not. The joke of it all is that when Dan George showed me that card in my very first deposition back in February, I had felt embarrassed about my atrocious handwriting. I have never liked it. I have always tried to make it neat and pretty, but it didn't take. Because of how much I've hated my handwriting for my whole life, I knew it was mine. All right, enough, as read by the author, Cassidy Hutchinson. You're being too hard on yourself. I've actually seen her handwriting. And it's just fine. Exhibit one, one more time, the note, as she alleges, written by her. Now I give you an example of her actual handwriting. This is a note. It's a happy birthday card to someone. It has been redacted by me to protect, uh, well, I'll just leave it at that, all right? It's been redacted by me. Now let's put those notes side by side. On the left, you see a 61-year-old man's handwriting, Eric Hirschman. On the right, you see a teenage or 20-something girl's handwriting. I'm sorry, that's what it is. Let's go a little bit deeper, like the handwriting experts do. I underlined every I in that letter from the chief of staff, right? I, see? A capital, just a little little line, little line. No, uh, nothing on top, nothing on my little, little, little. Uh, let's see, another one, right? The eyes are very, very small. In Cassidy's handwriting, well, the I gets a dot, and capitalize get that thing at the top and the thing at the bottom. I'm sorry, if you will lie about something like this, you will lie about anything. And anybody who buys that book is a chump. And I bought the book. <laughs> one other thing. There are a lot of things, but this one also bothered me. What does she say about her uh, private life, right? She says something about her private life. She likes to keep it private. I guarded my privacy, zealously. It was my protection. If my face were plastered all over the TV and the internet, I would lose control of what I laughingly called the mystique of operating quietly behind the scenes. Ooh, the mystique of operating quietly. Uh, well, she's always wanted to be a star. We went back and found, uh, well, as a uh, student, what was her dream? To be a news anchor, all right? Well, uh, that's an indication that she's not shy, although I know some shy news anchors, me included, but all right, let's see here. Um, she actually went all the way into the city to stand behind Lara Spencer. You know, those crowds that hang around the Good Morning America show and the Today Show? Yeah, one of those people, right? Zealously guarding that mystique, huh? All right. And, he, 
at the hearing. Her whole team seems to be a bit of a ham, right? See the guy in the pink tie behind her, right? Well, in the book, you know, they were very, very concerned about Cassidy's safety. You know, MAGA might strike out, right? So we had to uh, put her in hiding. And a couple of days after the testimony, how do they put her in hiding? They go to an Atlanta Braves game and they stand right behind home plate. Everybody knows they're there. They're on TV. They wave on the jumbotron. The whole thing is a scam, a total scam. And January 6th is going to be a big issue in this campaign. And she's a key witness. And there's more that we'll get to later on. And Cassidy, I'm sorry, your handwriting is just fine. It's just a rotten person holding the pen. We'll be right back. There really are drawbacks when you have an invalid as the president of the United States. When he's overseas, if this really happens the way Joe says it happens, uh, he's got to come up with a better answer. I mean, or maybe it doesn't happen, more likely. You've heard this story. So they say, we see America's back, but for how long? I just got back from Europe meeting with heads of state. One said to me, I said, America's back. And he said, for how long? When I went over, I said, with those seven leaders, I said, we're back. And the response was, for how long? All right. Uh, that really seems to throw him for a loop. I don't know what he thinks he's getting out of this story. And then he got a little bit more specific. He mentions Emmanuel Macron, uh, the guy from France. And I sat down and I said, America's back. Macron looked at me and he said, Mr. President, for how long? For how long? Oh, wow, deep. Because Macron, he didn't know where America was for all those years when Trump was president. He only palled around with the guy. He's totally into Trump. He gets Trump and Trump gets Macron. These guys liked each other. They're very, actually, yeah, that's Trump's hand on his back. Uh, they're very like-minded in certain ways. They get each other a certain uh, level of sophistication. Whenever Biden talks He's telling a lie. It literally is like that. Oh, keep your eye out for the United Nations. You know, a lot of folks are looking to the U.N. for guidance, for leadership. Do not. It is thoroughly anti-American, thoroughly anti-Israel. You know, for a long time, I thought, oh, the United Nations, that's beautiful, right? All come together. No, it's corrupt. It's terrible. It's anti-democratic. And they've got a lot of weirdos who work there. This individual is the head of the Human Rights Council. And he put out a ludicrous statement about uh, Israel and Palestine. When he says all parties, he means Israel and the terrorists, I should say, must respect international humanitarian law. They must immediately cease attacks targeting civilians and attacks expected to cause disproportionate death and injury of civilians or damage to civilian objects. You got to remember, number one, what Hamas did first, right? And one of the reasons why war is to be avoided unless it's an ultimate last resort, well, because innocent people die at war. It's terrible, but it does happen. It's unavoidable. You try to avoid it, but it will happen. It makes it a real horrible thing. But sometimes you got to fight it. Sometimes you got to strike back. This guy is weird, though, beyond this statement. I looked at his office. He was giving all these uh, puff piece interviews. They were all sucking up to him. Look at what that says. It's hard to see, actually, but... I'm telling you, it says the future is non-binary. 
The future is non-binary. What kind of thing is that to have on the nameplate right in front of your desk? Very odd. That whole United Nations, what a, what a weird place. All right, we have this now. We did it again. People like this. You know, what's happened overseas is a clarifying moment. It should be a clarifying moment here in America, right? What is real, what we have to worry about, and what is fake? America, for much of the past three years, has been talking about fake stuff while ignoring very real dangers that are out there. Take a look at how we did it. I said last year, especially to our younger transgender Americans, I'll always have your back as your president so you can be yourself and reach your God-given potential. Never in my wildest dreams did I think that as a police officer, as a law enforcement officer, I would find myself in the middle of a battle. What we saw on January 6th was the worst attack on our democracy since the Civil War. It's upsetting. It's a pathetic excuse for his behavior for something that he himself helped to create. This monstrosity. I'm still recovering from those hugs and kisses that day. One of the greatest threats to our national security is domestic terrorism manifested by white supremacists. You see, you see, over, this is stuff that's coming our way. It's coming here. Gender, January 6th, exaggerating it beyond all. White supremacy, give us a break. This is a real world. We got real threats out there, and the administration is lying to everybody, maybe even themselves. We'll be right back. It's true, I am an America first, liberty loving Latino. That's why I know this country is worth fighting for. That's why the Chris Salcedo Show will always tell you the truth. The Chris Salcedo Show, for the news you need to know. So one of the most important things that's happened uh, in decades really between Israel and America was moving the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. You're looking at Ambassador David Friedman uh, the day the embassy was opened in Jerusalem. It was remarkable. The diplomats were talking about it. Presidents were promising it, but they never did it. You know who did it? Uh, Ambassador Friedman's boss, Ambassador Friedman, did it in conjunction with President Trump. <laughs> the State Department probably kicking and screaming every step of the way. Uh, former Ambassador David Friedman in the Trump administration to Israel. Welcome, sir. Uh, we're so sorry about what's happening. Um, some developments over the... What are you thinking tonight? You know, I think uh, on the uh, you know on the one hand, this is this was the worst uh, murder of of, uh, of Jewish people since the Holocaust. I mean, the events of uh, a few days ago, uh, horrific uh, beyond words. The barbarism, the cruelty, the pain that's been inflicted on on, on over a thousand uh, Israeli families. Uh, it's just, it's just, you know, indescribable. It's just so horrible. Uh, on the other hand, um, the Jewish people around the world are united as never before. The state of Israel is united as never before. People are rushing back. People who are Israelis uh, from around the world are, are jumping on planes and running back to this country to serve in the armed forces. Um, the, the acts of, of philanthropy and, and of kindness within this country now are extraordinary. And... Uh, Israel is going to defeat Hamas. I mean, they have to. This is an, exist an existential battle by the state of Israel, not just, you know, against a ruthless terrorist group, but 
really against against the forces of evil that we have no choice but to win. And when Israel wins, the world will be a safer place. And even the Palestinians who are who themselves subjugated by Hamas will be in a better place. Joe Biden today, um, finally speaking uh, about um, Jews and anti-Semitism. He avoided that yesterday and the day before. Very strange. Sot one, please, from Joe Biden. One of the worst chapters in human history to remind us all that that expression I learned from my dad early on, silence is complicity. I'm not, I mean, silence is complicity. It really is. And I want you to know, I think you've already figured it out. I refuse to be silent. I know you refuse to be silent as well. All right. Uh, I don't think his dad came up with silence as complicity for one. And he was silent on Sunday and Monday. Yesterday he spoke. He was silent about the Jews. He was silent about Iran. Gauge his leadership, if you would, and Iran's role in this. Number one, you suspect Iran, right? I mean, we know Iran uh, was behind this, correct? I, 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 I don't suspect I know. I know yeah. that Iran had his fingerprints on this. They managed. They planned. They orchestrated. They funded. They executed. They approved all of this. I mean, Iran is the head of the snake within the Middle East, and, and there's no question that they were uh, all over this. Um, we've appeased Iran for three years. Um, you know, there's this debate going on about whether or not the actual freeing up of $6 billion this past month, you know, had anything to do with it because that money apparently is still held by Qatar. It doesn't matter. Iran is a much a richer, more powerful nation than it was three years ago. They're selling almost 10 times as much oil in 2022 as they did in 2020. Um, the $6 billion doesn't matter. They got plenty of other money in other pockets. And they're using that money for ballistic missiles, nuclear enrichment, and funding malign activity of Hezbollah, Hamas, and other terrorist groups. Uh, so, the Abraham Accords, sir, you guys, I mean, you really turned things around in the Middle East in a lot of different ways. And things were normalizing over there, it seemed like, for a while. And then the new team got in. Did Iran want to disrupt and attempt to ruin all of the work that the Trump administration did? Is that what's going on here, in part? Yeah, especially when they saw that as a result of the Abraham Accords, we are now tracking towards a deal between Israel and Saudi Arabia, which would be, of course, anathema to the interests of, of Iran. So, uh, yeah, look, they succeeded in slowing down all that normalization, because with this kind of a war going on, uh, no one's going to be speaking about, you know, advancing in, in a peaceful manner until it's over. Um, uh, Iran is, and, and look, it's, it's not just Iran, it's Iran mostly, but it's also the fact that, you know, our government has been funding the Palestinian Authority, which pays terrorists to kill Jews, they've been they've been funding UNRWA, you know, the the United Nations Agency, which you know, in their schools, uh, kids put on plays where where Jews are killed and parents applaud. I mean, it's a whole package of funding which together has lubricated the terrorist, you know, infrastructure in a way that has now put Israel at great risk. Ambassador Friedman. We need you back there as our ambassador or as perhaps secretary of state. I mean, the world would be a lot better off, I think, with the Trump administration back in power. Thank you very much, sir. Very much. Thank we'll be you. right back. How do we get them back? Uh, between 100 and 200 hostages still being held by Gaza, by Gaza terrorists, while Gaza is getting pummeled.
destroyed, appropriately so. But what about our hostages? All right, we have a great big panel. There's a lot going on right now. Uh, I want to go first, though, to Steve Rogers, U.S. military intelligence officer. He was assigned to the FBI Joint Terrorism Task Force. Uh, welcome, gentlemen. And first to you, Steve. I haven't really heard all that much about getting them out of there. It's not a traditional hostage situation if there is one. How do you go about, how do you begin to uh, get them out? Well, look, to begin with, uh, we must uh, show the enemies of this country and of Israel that under no uncertain terms are we going to not respond in the event those hostages are not let uh, free or in the event that they're killed. Look, you've got to show strength. You've got to show toughness. Uh, I believe the Israelis, uh, with the help of the United States, have uh, special operations going on to try to rescue these hostages, but it's very difficult. I but, you know, as Ronald, as Ronald Reagan once uh, said, uh, uh, peace through strength. Well, we got to show some strength now, and we got to show some very, very uh, real force that we are going to use in the event they do not toe the line, meaning the terrorists. All right. Now, right now, Israel is bombing Gaza. Seriously, we anticipate a ground invasion. Brent, can you explain, and Brent Sadler, former Navy Pentagon staff, U.S. Navy captain, retired and senior research fellow at the Heritage Foundation. Um, you can bomb all day long for months and months and months, but there are still going to be fighters at the end who come out ready to fight. I never, it doesn't sound logical, but that, that's kind of true throughout, throughout history, at least since we had airplanes, correct? Well, what we do know is that Hamas has spent uh, the last several years digging an extensive, deeply buried uh, architecture underneath of tunnels and even of armories and in places where they can actually operate and sustain themselves for quite a long time. It's going to be very hard to get to those structures. But I think in the immediate turn right now is stopping the rocket launches because every one of those Iron Dome missiles that are used to shoot down something coming from Gaza is one less to defend against something coming from Hezbollah that has magnitudes more weapons arrayed along the northern border of Israel. That threat is still present and, and is actually starting to heat up as we speak. All right. Hey, uh, Dick Morris, the famous Dick Morris. And by the way, check out the book, The Return, Trump's big 2024 comeback. Man, you totally nailed it. Joe Biden is looking awful. He was uh, absent Sunday, Monday, some gibberish yesterday, kind of the right things eventually. How does this play politically? What, what does this mean for the campaign and the rest? Well, I think that this invasion, the events that follow it, are really going to be seen as a watershed in the Biden presidency, much like the failure to evacuate safely from Afghanistan. Uh, because weakness and senility has morphed into, into an inability to be present, an inability to function. His weakness is now so apparent uh, and so obvious to everybody that it just falls so short of what we need in this country. And I think the country realizes it. You know, weakness is something that in the abstract is hard to measure. But when you measure it against the tasks that you face, it becomes very apparent. And uh, when you compare what the, the threat that Israel faces and the U.S. faces with the capacity of Joe Biden to respond even cognitively, uh, you see how impaired the man is. And what about, Dick, I believe you might be Jewish. I feel like uh, anti-Semitism, we're seeing it like almost like never before. Well, we've seen it before, but it's bad and it's out in the open and it's being tolerated. Um, where does that go? 
Well, it, it comes disguised. Anti-Semitism always is disguised. Uh, sometimes it's disguised as culture. Now it's being disguised as ideology and uh, the fairness to the Palestinians and, and the political cause of the, of the Palestinian state. Those are all disguises for anti-Semitism. And uh, ever since the war, Holocaust, pure anti-Semitism got a bad name. And it returns in the form of ideology somehow embracing these Palestinian monsters and ignoring the very simple fact that if the Palestinians were to lay down their weapons, there would be no more war. And if Israel were to lay down its weapons, there would be no more Israel. No. I never. Th what a brilliant way to put it. Thank you uh, for that. So, uh, Steve, we've got two major aircraft carriers either there or on their way. The Gerald Ford, I think the Eisenhower as well. It's a real big show of force. Um, but unless they do something, does it mean anything? Boy, did you hit the nail on the head. You, the president of the United States has to be ready to use the full weight of the military forces that he has out there in the event that any one of those uh, players, evil players, if you will, cross the line. They mean absolutely nothing in this day and age. Look, Iran is not concerned about that carrier task force out there. Hamas is not concerned about it. But you stop lobbing missiles, cruise missiles from that carrier uh, strike force, you're going to see things change rather quickly. Yeah, it's not, I mean, they're basically always there anyway. We, we, all, we have a presence in the Mediterranean and in the Persian Gulf pretty much all the time. So they're trying to kind of fool the American people as uh, this is somehow a big deal. Brent, um, all right, so they're dug in and they're ready to fight. Do you have any sense when the ground invasion will happen? And it will happen, right? I think inevitably it's going to have to occur. I mean, if the goal must be the total eradication of Hamas and their presence in Gaza. I think that is the objective. It should be the objective. And the only way you do that is having boots on the ground in, in Gaza. Uh, I would add one thing also with that carrier strike group. Uh, there are electronic warfare aircraft present, so there could be also some benefit provided to the Israelis in figuring out patterns of activity and helping in targeting through that electronic warfare even though the U.S. may not be dropping bombs, and hopefully we don't have to do that. But the, the goal is to prevent this from spreading in a, to a wider conflict. Yeah, they got those planes with the great big uh, radar dome that spins around on top. It's kind of cool. And the F-18s with the special growler packs. Gentlemen, thank you very much. I got to go. To be continued, thank and we'll you. be right back. Look at her, my one-year-old Madeline, enjoying... An ice cream cone, a strawberry ice cream cone, her favorite flavor. Annalise's, her big sister's favorite flavor, and now it's my favorite flavor. Hello, Madeline. Her birthday's coming up. I will be home soon, and I'll see you tomorrow night. All the best.